Say, I'm with you. I almost feel like, I feel like I'm a powder keg about to explode, but I'll try not to explode. I'll try not to get messy. And then again, let her rip. Okay, Matthew, I, I want to show you what this man shared with me because I have to do it and then we'll do something else. And it'll all, I believe, will fit together. But I, I want some understanding. You know, there's something about the house being built, but we want it to be established. God is establishing a work in this place, in this region, in our nation. And it's not something that's just, every, you know, the fly by night. There's an established work of God in our midst. And I don't care what anybody tells me. I know God is moving in this nation. And I know it's happening. And I know that it, the best is still yet to come. And I know there are going to be some troubles. Big deal. Jesus said there would be trouble. And he said there are going to be troubles like you've never known in the entire history of humanity. That's going to unfold during these days. But at the same time, he's going to have people that overcome and they're going to rise up and they're going to be like Jesus. And, but we need, I'm trying to put it together. Okay, God, you're sending all of these generals. And uh, the baptism, what's it, what's it really most about? Well, look in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? And so John was looking, first of all, for an explanation. Why, why are you coming to be baptized by me? And you know, in this move that's breaking out, if you have to know everything that's going on, you're probably going to miss the move of God. It's not that we will always be able to explain it. You're probably not going to be able to understand it. We just have to embrace it. A real move of God, you're not going to understand. He, do, he does above and beyond. What you could even ask or think. Our thinking is going to be, you know, you don't want to go by your thinking. You know, like I think Rodney was talking about Tuesday night. And, you know, they, these are not as drunk as some of you suppose. They were thinking they were drunk. It had nothing to do with that. It was not as they suppose as has God has purposed it. And we have to, you know, people are always going to give us their opinion. You know what we do with opinions? We have any garbage cans? No, no, we don't have any up here. You know, everybody has an opinion. I've learned in the older, I'm telling you, the, the longer you're in ministry, you really don't 
Can I just tell you the way it is? You don't give a rip about people's opinions. Thus saith the Lord, what God is doing, what God has said, that trumps over them all. It trumps over them all. I like that statement. I wonder about that, you know, the last trump. I wonder about things like that. I'm, I don't know all the answers. I just know that God is up to something that's pretty amazing. Now notice in verse 15, permit it to be so, Jesus says, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. In other words, Jesus was including John the Baptist in what was happening. And how many of you know he's including us? God could do everything he wants to do right now in our nation completely on his own. But he hasn't chosen to do that. He's chosen to use you and me. We're co-laborers with him. Say, I'm a co-laborer. We're workers together, the scripture says. He's chosen to use us. Now, some of us are saying, but, but you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. Well, God's a little bit bigger than who you are. And he knows a lot more than you know about what you've done. The story's not over. And uh, he's still working on you. How many of you know he's still working on me? He's still working on you. Isn't that what's on Ruth Graham, you know, on her uh, tombstone? You know, don't thank you for not giving up. God hadn't been, he's not finished. But now he was, basically. But all oh, he was, she was so thankful. And uh, I, I want to give you an encouragement. There are certain little cliches that a pastor hears from time to time. I've heard it. I've been in ministry 35 years. Everywhere I've ever been, I hear the same thing. First of all, it'll come along, well, there's no love in that place. You don't love. And I've learned to dump that. Just let God love through me. And then another thing is, well, you're not led by the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit told me this week, the same Holy Spirit that was knocking all those people down in Mongolia is in Moravian Falls. So what are you going to say about it? The same Holy Spirit that lives in Rodney Howard Brown, that lives in David Hogan, lives in you and me. Greater is he that's in us. That's all you need to know. And then the third thing you will hear is, we're not ready. We're not ready. Okay, tell me, when will we be ready? What do we have to do to be ready? Anybody got the answer? Are you going to ever be ready enough? You remember Abraham. And Sarah, Abraham was as old as the hills. His wife was way beyond years. But he did not waver in unbelief. He considered him who was faithful. He was confident in the one who had spoken. And beyond what looked like he should have had no hope, he had great hope. And God made him a father of many nations. Beyond. He was way beyond being ready, to be honest with you. He was over ready. Beyond hope. But God... Moved in him. So anyway, I'm just telling you, I hear that from time to time, and I've learned to dump it. You're never going to be ready. God is ready. And the work that he's done in us is enough to change an entire nation. So don't wait till you're ready. Most people are going to wait all their life. Obey the Holy Spirit. You obey God. Now, you know that. Now, let's go on and read that. So it's to fulfill all Righteousness, And Jesus is saying, oh, no, you got to hear this. Let me back up. The word fulfill. You know what this word fulfill means? Abundantly supply, filled. It also means to cram. Cram. 
And it hit me this week. God, why are you sending all these generals of the faith to Moravian Falls? Because he's cramped. It's like we're getting ready for a final exam. And God's cramming us with everything he wants to cram us with so we can be spilled out to a world that's about to be broken. I remember when I used to take those final exams, I would try to cram. You ever, anybody confess? Anybody do that? You know, you stay up all night and you're trying to, you know, you cram it in the best you can. And God's, and it also means to level up, to furnish, to satisfy, to execute, to finish, to verify, and to coincide with prediction. In other words, God is going to fulfill every prophetic word that's been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. And then he said all righteousness, and that's speaking of character and the act of righteousness, but also the plan and purposes of God. Now think about this. Jesus was not baptized unto repentance, was he? Because that's, that's what really got me about the baptism revival. My first thought was, God, why do I need to be baptized? I've already been baptized unto repentance. He said, it's basically he told me to shut up and pay attention. There's more to it. Was Jesus baptized under repentance? No. He had no sin. So obviously, there was something more that happened in this. And then the next thing, he wasn't being baptized under the body of Christ. He was the head. He was the main thing. So what was he being baptized to? Well, let's go on verse 16. And when he had been baptized. No, wait, let me back up in verse 15. It said, then he allowed him. In other words, we need to just back off, quit trying to figure everything out, and allow God to do what he wants to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in this hour. Does that make sense? Verse 16, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he said, The Spirit of God is descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly... A voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you know, we could break this up. First of all, the heavens were open. I want you to know, I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what your day is like. If you're a, a blood-bought child of God, if the spirit of the living God lives in you, the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave, wherever you go, there's an open heaven. People used to say there's an open head, and they still say that about us. And I don't know, maybe it's true, maybe there's some other degree. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the utmost degree. He's the open. People used to say this is a place of refuge. And one time I asked the Lord about that. I said, God, people say that Moravian Falls is a place of refuge. What do you say about that? Here's what he said. He said, everywhere... Somebody makes me their refuge. They are living in a place of refuge. That's what he said. So the heavens were open. Then he saw. We need our eyes to be open. And you know how you get your eyes open. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall what? They'll see God. So it's a matter of the heart. Keep your heart pure. Then the spirit descended and dwelt upon him. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He comes upon us. He didn't just come and go. And I believe the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. He doesn't give his spirit by measure. And then suddenly, suddenly, a voice came. 
said, this is my beloved son. And so we know that baptism is for identification. And we understand that. And these are the things that we've, we've been able to somehow grasp. But there's something else we didn't see. Jesus, at this point, it was no repentance. He was already the head of the body. There was something more. He was being baptized into his purpose. Because what happened right after this? He was anointed. And then, of course, then he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But he overcomes. And then his ministry is launched. So this is what I believe the Lord is saying. This is what that man was trying to impress upon me. He said, many are going to come to the baptismal waters. Not all of them are coming for repentance. They're coming for their purpose. They're going to be baptized into their purpose. And they're going to be launched from this place and from Dawsonville and from Taylorsville and from Texas and wherever else this breaks out. And they're going to go out and do the will of the Father. Purpose, identity. And I said, yes and amen. Let it be God. And we got to just let God have his way. Now, Rodney's part, I mean, I know that's the baptismal. Now, David Hogan, you know what he imparted here, don't you? He's got a ferocious, don't back up, don't give up, don't take no for an answer. Believe God, period, attitude, doesn't he? Anointing. You know, that was a powerful testimony he shared about how he thought he was going to die. They went to where they believed they really were going to die. And there's something that God honors when you step into something, you know you ain't coming back. And that's the kind of faith he's called us to. Listen, we've already died anyway. My, I'm, I've died with Christ and my life, I'm living with him. And so we should live with that attitude. But David is that. And I'm so glad he broke up that stupid thing that says, you know, fears of the devil. Listen, God can use fear. Fear is not necessarily bad. It's, a, it's an emotion that you and I sometimes confront. It's what you do about the fear that matters. Jehoshaphat feared. He saw a great multitude coming at him from beyond the sea. What do you think he did? Throw a party and start laughing? No, he feared. And then it says, because he feared, he sought God. And our fear drives us. Fear is an emotion. It's like pain. If you're in pain, you need to see what you're in pain for. If you wake up and your ear is hurting, you need to figure it out. Maybe stick your finger in there and see if there's something got in while you were sleeping. You know, you got to figure it out here. You know, you just got to know there's, there's things God's doing. But I'm so glad that he broke up that, that thing. Because there's stuff going to happen we're probably going to be a little bit of afraid of initially. You don't know how many of you know what I'm talking about. But then your fear is replaced by faith in the one. And if you fear God, you have nothing else to fear anyway. And so we're going to fear God. And then I thought, now Rodney, and I know what Rodney's part was. Look in verse 11 of that chapter 3. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. Fire. Now, all those people that say we're not ready, they can keep saying it while you and I do the will of God. Because I'm telling you, we could not be any more ready than we are right now.
Doesn't take a whole bunch of folks. Ask Gideon. There were a lot of folks in the army of Gideon. A lot of them got eliminated. And there was purpose in that elimination. So that when there were those that were left, there was only one that was going to get the glory. And God uses the weak. He uses the small. He uses those that, that others give up on so he can do his greatest work. Some of you think maybe you've done something that God's given up on you. or Maybe people have given up on you. Probably it's true on the second. Some people may have given up on you. God has not given up on you. In fact, in your weakest state, you will find God will be his strongest through you. I remember the Lord taught me that one time. I felt so like I'd blown it. Anybody ever felt like you'd blown it? In the last maybe day or so, you know what I mean? I've blown it. I've blown it. It's over. God can't use me anymore. Woe is me. You need to woe. You need to back up. God is greater than our failures. And he showed me that even my failures, he's had a hand in it to bring about his greatest purposes through those, what I thought was an utter failure in my life. How many of you else have found that out? Some things you thought you utterly failed. And God used it to get you to the place where you are today. So that he can be glorified in you and through you. Amen. So anyway, here's how I'm going to finish this up this morning. And I want to pray for an impartation. I hope you guys can understand. I really feel this way. All these people that have come is to get us ready. Rodney's the last one. I'm not saying he's the last one that's coming. Jeremiah's coming next month. You know, uh, all these people, they're going to keep still come. But I'm telling you, we have all we need to do the will of God. We have all we need. It's going to be up to you whether you obey God. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what are you waiting for? Jesus part two? No. You don't have the limited edition, Jesus. you got the full edition, Jesus, living inside of you. So here's how I'm going to finish it. It'll take a few moments, but not too many why did Jesus come in the first place? Why did he come into the world? Just go ahead. Give me some answers. Why did he come? All those things. Every, I can't hear, but they're all true. I'm sure. I'm just going to give you about eight or nine things, okay? Man, I'm so grateful for the worship. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I get to be in church. Some people have given up on the church. Well, God's just, it's an apostate. Maybe you are apostate. I'm not apostate. Now, I don't know. We'll have to ask God. But in my own opinion, this is opinion. So you can dump it if you want to. But in my own opinion, much of the great falling away has already occurred. Already occurred right before our eyes and we didn't even know it. False doctrines, false prophets, all these things. Now there's more to come, but a lot of it's already passed. But anyway, Jesus, you can straighten me up. Because you don't have to have it all right in this hour either. 
How many of you have your doctrines 100% right? You know everything there is to know. You don't need to know anything else. We're still unlearning a lot of things we thought we knew. And I've been in ministry 35 years. I'm still unlearning some things. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. You're in this process, and then right at the end, maybe, maybe you'll get it somehow together. I don't know. I don't know if you get it together ever. Jesus is our get it together. It's about Him. Everything will be wrapped up in Him. It's all about Him. Okay, so why did He come? Number one, that's what He, he came in verse 11 of chapter 3. I indeed baptize you with water, but He that is coming, He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. I believe with all of my heart. When Rodney Howard Brown prayed the release of the fire Tuesday night, if you didn't get it, I got it. And I didn't get it because I didn't fall over. Now, some people did fall over. I got it because let it be according to your faith. Faith is what pleases God. It, without faith, it's impossible. I don't care what I see from here on out. I know the fire of God is living inside of us. Now, you got to keep it kindled. you got to keep going to the altar, you know, and... God, send fresh fire. Lord, stir the embers. He doesn't put out a flickering candle. Now, religion will do that. If you come along flickering, somebody will say, you know, you, you know, whatever, they'll put you out. Listen, most of us are flickering. But when the fire of God comes, the fire of God comes. And you don't have to question it. And then another reason that Jesus came was to, we know these things, let's just go over them, was to demonstrate the love of God. For God so loved the world. I'm telling you, God is about to release a love inside the church for the world that we've not yet walked into this point. I mean, we're quick to tell the world where they're messing up. And we do, we will define sin. Sin is sin, we're not going to back off of that. That's one of the problems. We've compromised. But God's given us a love for God so loved the world. And that's going to be our, like our national anthem from now until when Jesus comes. For God so loved the world that he gave. There's no greater love than this. And guess what? You and I might even have the unique opportunity to demonstrate that scripture to the world we say we love. No greater love is this than one would lay down his life. We might even have an opportunity to do that in the coming years. Now, that'll be love, won't it? It'll be a test of love. Do you love enough that you would actually lay your life down? Now, you think about Paul. What did he say? I would that I was accursed so that my brethren would be saved, my countrymen. Now, that's a serious prayer. How many of you remember he prayed that? I would that I would be accursed that these would be saved. I don't even want to go there. All I know is that's some kind of love. And God's going to baptize in love. And then second, thirdly, Jesus came to do the Father's will. Behold. Remember what he said? Behold, it is written in me, I delight. In the volume of the book, I delight to do your will. What book is he talking about? Well, they could be talking about this book. But he's talking about the book, he, the law. The book has been written inside of you and me. He's written his laws in us. It's somehow been written in us. Lord, I delight to do your will. 
That's why nothing else will satisfy. You can pursue all the things that this world offers you. There's no satisfaction. It's only when you're doing what you've been created to do that you're ultimately satisfied. And what you've been created to when you were born again is to do the Father's will. I'm telling you, it's written in your heart. And when you find that which is God's will, that's the way you'll follow. It's the passion of your heart. So he came to do the Father's will. Then he came as a ransom to give himself, to redeem, to buy back. He came to break down the middle wall that separated us from God because of sin. Now I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, building the wall. Can I tell you, there's already a wall. It's the wall between men and God. It's called sin. And Jesus came to tear it down. I was thinking this week about our President Reagan. You know, remember, he's known for a lot of things. And one of the main things that he's known for, he stood up. Was, where was he, East Berlin in the 80s? He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Remember that? Tear this wall down. Can I tell you, the wall's been torn down. The veil's been removed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to tell people. Hey, there's a wall between you and God because of sin. But guess what? It's coming down if you'll turn to him. And we need to declare that over our nation. Tear this wall down, I'm telling you. God break out in the midst. And then he's come to forgive us of our sin. Isaiah 43, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For his sake. Yeah, obviously we benefit. It's for our sake as well. But it's for his sake. And I will remember not your sins anymore. Ephesians chapter 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. We've said this before, but do you know why people feel guilty today? Do you know why? People walk around, they feel guilty. There's people in this room this morning. I promise you've been battling guilt. Do you know why people feel guilty? Because they're guilty. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. He's the only one that can remove the guilt and the stain. And we got to let people know there's forgiveness in him. That's one of the main things about this that we call our Christian faith. He came to forgive sin. Of which I'm, sometimes I feel like the chief. How many of you? We feel like the chief among sinners. But that's why he came. To forgive us and cleanse us. And to set us free from the guilt. I'm just telling you right now. If anybody walks out of this room with guilt. You messed up. You don't have to leave this room with guilt this morning. That guilt can come off of you. You can put everything. I don't care what you did. He died for it. There's no sin too great that he can't cover by his blood. And he's a forgiving God. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Now, we have to confront our nation with sin at the same time. I was thinking, you know, I wrote a, you know, we have the presidential prayer watch. I, I got to see you know, our president, can I just speak off the cuff for a moment? When he was in Washington, D.C., they booed him. You remember that? 
They booed him. When he was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the cheers yesterday erupted. A hundred thousand people. What is, what is it? What is it? What's going on here? And I was just, this week I wrote a presidential prayer watch and I was led to the book of, you know, Lamentations. You may not want to read Lamentations before you go to bed. You know, the last thing you read, Lamentations. And then you go to sleep. You may never wake up. I don't want to wake up. You know what was going on? Lamentations is really like a funeral script. It's the death of a city, Jerusalem. Babylon had invaded, taken over everything. And, uh, you know, they had infiltrated. It's kind of what's going on today. The enemies infiltrated every segment of society. But Jeremiah knew why it happened. You know why? He, he proclaimed, he said, Woe unto us, for we have sinned. The culprit was sin. And he called the people to turn back to God. God was their only hope. Can I tell you, the only hope. We may vote all the right people in. And I pray that would be a great thing. That's not going to change America. America will be great again when we turn to God again. He's the greatness of our God. And when we repent of our sin and turn, then we're going to see God become, or the nation become great again. And then another thing, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Look with me real quick, 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Because I, I don't want us to miss what this means. Because I think we, we come up short. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Verse 4, 1 John 3, whoever. Say, I'm a whoever. You're a whoever. You're, you're a whosoever will. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is what? Righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil is sin, and the context is practicing sin. That's your practice. Because it's in context with the verse that precedes. He who practices sin or continues in sin is of the devil. For the devil is sin from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And whoever has been born of God does not sin or practice, continue. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, he cannot continue because he's been born of God. I've heard, you know, when I hear that, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What do you most think about? You know, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, the works. You know, he came to destroy all the works. The greatest work, according to this context of Scripture, is what? Sin. The power of sin. What did he come to break? 
destroy. He came to destroy the works and the power of sin over our lives. So that no longer do we have to practice lawlessness. There's a new seed living inside of us. We are called and we have the ability, the grace of God enables us to practice righteousness. Because as he is righteous, so we are. Do you see that? We need to tell people, you don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to yield to that habit. Maybe you did up to this point. But from this point forward, it can be broken. Jesus paid the price. He came to destroy the work of that habit. He destroyed the power of sin, the works of the devil. And we have to know that. Let nothing rule over you. And then he, he came healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Remember that scripture. You know, there's a lot of oppressed people in America right now. If you don't have to go looking for them. We have a team going to Mardi Gras. And I grew up in Louisiana. And I used to go. I went to seminary. went to school in New Orleans. And they would tell me, you know, you may not want to go down to Mardi Gras. I went anyway. And I found what they said was true. Way beyond what they said was true. And that was a long time ago. Do you know what you're stepping into? We're going to pray great before you and cover you in the blood. But you don't have to go to New Orleans. You don't have to go to Jacksonville. You have to go to New York. You don't have to go to a Washington Nationals game. You can just walk out in the streets of Wilkes County. Every, there are people oppressed all around us. And Jesus came to set the oppressed free. And he's looking for those that will say yes. He's not looking for those that will say, well, we're not ready yet. What are you saying? The cross was not enough. That's exactly what they're saying. Jesus was not enough. I'm telling you, he's more than enough. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. There's no measure of the Holy Spirit. That's a religious mindset. And God will pass them by because they're unusable. Because they're waiting for what already has been done. And they're mocking the cross. And then he came to reveal the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God looks like. Look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. Just read just read the Bible. Just read it. Not Lamentations before you go to... Yeah, read Lamentations. You need an understanding of Lamentations. But read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Before you go to bed, that'd be a good thing. You're right before you go. Just get to know Him. He's there. He's in the book. He's not in the book. He is the book. He's the Word. The Word come alive. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I know they're not going to want to hear that today, that Jesus is the only way. Well, we don't care if they want to hear it or not. We're not seeking their approval. He's the only way. He's the only truth. People are looking for truth. You're not going to find it, obviously. In the New York Times, you're going to find just the opposite. Look in the... Jesus is the God of all times. The Bible is a book of times. And this is the time. Now is the day of salvation. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like if people knock at your door and they say, I have the truth. I can tell you how to get to know God. Yeah. And if they don't mention Jesus, I, they don't have the truth. I don't have time for it. And then another thing, Luke 19, 9. Remember, Jesus told Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. 
Do you remember that? Because he said, for the Son of Man has come, but to seek and save that which is what? Lost. If I got anything from Rodney Howard Brown Tuesday night, that's what I got. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. If you're going to follow him, guess where you're going to follow him? Follow him seeking the lost. Because he's still seeking the lost. And I like the way Jesus said he looked at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree trying to get a look of everything, figure out what's happening. He heard the, you know, the roar of the stadium, the crowds. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. But he said, today, salvation has come to this house. Can I prophetically say this over America this morning? Today, salvation has come to the house of America. Today, Jesus Christ is still Lord of all. He's the one that this nation most needs. It's him he is our salvation. And we're going to proclaim it. I'm, I believe we're living in a time there's going to be more conviction than there's ever been before. People are looking for the answers. They're growing weary of what everybody else has told them. They're even growing weary of what much of the church has told them. And they're looking for the hope, and the only hope is Jesus Christ. And I believe, you know, Jim Kerr shared with me, he sent me a... A vision, he saw this wave coming over us, over Moravian Falls. I believe there's a wave coming. You know what that wave is? It's a wave of evangelism. Jesus still is looking for the lost. And I believe that's, that's the wave. You know, the two great commands. You know what the two great commands are that Jesus gave us? Anybody know? Number one, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you Rest. Take my yoke upon me, you know. My burden is light. And then he said, after he said, come to me, what did he say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To everyone that believes, baptize, and all the things that you know about that scripture. And I believe we've, we've been in the huddle We've had some of the greatest quarterbacks come this way in the history of the Christian church. I'm still blown away that Rodney was here. I invited him four or five years ago. Not because I wanted, wow, you had Rodney Howard Brown. No, that has nothing to do with it. Because I knew what was going to be imparted. I knew that what would be released if we would embrace. And I'm embracing it. Now, a lot of you were at the altar Tuesday night when the, he gave the invitation. A lot of people were standing. And he, he issued the challenge. How many of you are going to win souls, remember? And that's what the fire of God is for. That's why Jesus has come. He came to seek and save. Yes, he came to destroy. That is word to us. He destroyed the power of sin so that we can live According to the standard that he's enabled us with by his grace. But he's come to set us on fire to win the loss. And there's so much more that I want to share. But Luke or John chapter 20. I'm going to just, this is quick. And then we're going to pray. John chapter 20. 
Say, when you get there, say, I'm there. Good. These guys know what they're doing. I will be there. I'm there. Look at verse 19. Man, I'm just telling you. This is an amazing time to be on the earth. You need to pinch yourself. Hey, David, pinch yourself. I'm telling you. You're really here. I don't mean here. You're on the earth. You're here. Look at somebody. Say, hey, I'm here. Say, I know you are. I see you. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with it. You're here. You're on the earth. You made it to this point, to this place. Verse 19, John 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now they were assembled really for the wrong reason, but the fear did not keep them from walking in their real purpose. They were there because they were scared to death of what was going to happen and what they were hearing was going to happen. The key was they were assembled. They were together. God is assembling people all over. There's assemblies breaking out in barns and, you know, hotels and businesses. I don't know where it's all going to break out. I, I so appreciate what God is doing through Kanye West. And I hear the religious world is upset about it. Let them be upset about it. There's assemblies happening in Hollywood. They're going to happen in New York City as well. They're going to happen all over in Washington. There's assemblies Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now, when he comes and stands in the midst, the fear goes, because that's what happened. He said to them, peace be with you. I want to tell you, first of all, you have nothing to fear, because the one who has promised you peace is standing in your midst. He's with you. Now, they were afraid of men. You know what? one of the greatest reasons why people do not share their faith today? They're afraid of what the people, the man's going to say to them. Afraid of the, what the woman will do. What are they going to do to you? Kill you? So what? You get to go to heaven. They're not going to kill you anyway. But that's the reason. The main thing is they're afraid. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, we break off that fear in Jesus' name. He has promised you peace. Peace I've given to you. Peace. And then when he had said, verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Not only did he give them peace, you know what he gave them? A new perspective on what really was happening. You can look at what the world is saying is going on, and you can be involved and you can be bogged down. But if you look at things from God's angle, you get a perspective of heaven. You're going to find that God's up to something way beyond what the enemy thinks he's up to. God is moving on the earth. Jesus said, my father is working until now, and I am working. He's just looking for those that will cooperate with him and work with him and be the co-laborers. He said, even as my father, we're going to read that. Then verse 21, so he got peace. What did he get? Number two, perspective. Some of you need a new perspective this morning. You've been looking at something wrong it's from your own point of view. You need God's point of view. So Jesus said to them again, 
peace to you. He said it again in case they didn't get it the first time. Some of us need Jesus to repeat some things. I say to you again, I'm the kind of person, I need him to say it again and again and again and again. Peace to you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So number three, he gave them purpose. Purpose. Some of you are looking for your purpose. I have something to announce to you. You have purpose. You come back around here and we'll baptize you in those waters and God will release something in the spirit of which you are specifically assigned to, which is in your DNA. But I'm telling you, your purpose is to do what the Father sent you to do. He said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Say, I've been sent. I've been sent. We've been sent. The purpose of heaven. It's, it's in your DNA already. The purpose of God. So you get peace, a perspective, and a purpose. And the last thing in verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You know what he got there? They got power. Power. You get power. There is nothing else that we should be waiting for. Now, I know there's seasons of waiting in your own journey and times all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing the will of the Father. And so I want to I back up on what Rodney challenged us to do. Devin, do we have those slips? Can you lay them at the altar? I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Lay them some here and some over here. And what these are, now I'm going to tell you how God is God. How many of you know he's God anyway, whether we figure it out or not? This man named Joshua. Now, Joshua is a very special name to me. It's my son's name. and I, I knew I would have a Joshua long before I had a Joshua. Because I remember I didn't have a Shirley when I first heard I would have a Joshua. And I thought, God, how am I going to have a Joshua? You ain't even given me a Shirley. Because I didn't use her name. How's this going to work, God? I mean, I can say, let it be according to your faith, but I've never seen, I've never seen it happen that way before. I need a Shirley. I didn't say Shirley, I said, I need a wife. He took care of that. But anyway, so this guy wants to have lunch with me. He's a Joshua, and he got my attention. You're a Joshua. So we had lunch on Friday, and he wrote a book. Now, this is only God can do this because we're challenged by Rodney Howard Brown to develop this. And the guy writes a book. He gives it to me Friday at lunch. The title of it is What's Your Soul Goal? What's Your Soul Goal? And so he gave me a copy of it. It just confirmed. And I'm going to challenge us this morning. What's your soul goal? Do you have a soul goal? Most of the church has no opinion. And so you know how many souls are saved? Do you know how you're going to be wise? He that wins souls is wise. Daniel chapter 12. In the midst of the great trouble that's coming. There's going to be a people that's going to shine like the brightness of the firmament. And they will be wise. Why will they be wise? Because they're going to be winning souls. They're going to be doing what the Father sent them to do to seek and save that which is lost. 
So that's my challenge this morning. What's your soul goal? And in just a moment, we're going to pray. And if you will accept the challenge, I want you to come up and get one of the slips. And then over this week, pray about it. Ask the Lord. Lord, give me a soul goal. Over the next two months, how many people should I expect? And then you've got to step out by faith. You know, you can share your testimony. How many of you have a testimony? Just share your testimony. And then tell them why you have the testimony. Because of Him. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest. The Holy Spirit is the one. No one can come to the Father unless He's being drawn. And Jesus is drawing. He's drawing people in this hour. So that's what we're going to do. But first, before we do that, I want to give everyone in this room the opportunity, and those of you that are watching by web stream, maybe you're here this morning and you've really never fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You don't know where you would go if today was your last day on the earth. And you say, well, how do you know this is my last day on the earth? I don't know that. But you don't know it either. And I know that we must be ready. That's how you get ready. You turn to Him. This is the hour. This is the day. Today, salvation has come to your household. He's here. What must you do? Well, you first, you must believe that He is who He says He is, right? How many of you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? How many of you believe He lived a sinless life? He died on the cross, rose from the dead. He lives forever. He's coming again. And then you must... Repent. Now, that's a scary word, but it's really not that scary. You know what it means. What does it mean? You turn. You turn. You say, okay, I was going this way. Now, Lord, you've convicted me. You've got to be convicted, drawn, convicted, arrested by the Holy Spirit. And then you turn. We're not preaching a cheap grace. It's not like buying insurance. You're arrested by the Holy Spirit, and you turn to give Him your full attention. You turn to the cross. That's the direction of which you turn to. And then you, by faith, you confess your sin. And if you confess Him as Lord of your life, you will be saved. We're living in the hour where whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm telling you, there's a wave of evangelism coming across this nation. And you can get in on it. And if you'll accept this challenge, you may never come back to this church, but I'm telling you, you'll see a harvest of which people could not even begin to believe could have happened in your life. Because God is faithful. He's faithful and He loves the world for God so loved the world. But if you're here this morning, you say, I don't know if I know Jesus. I want to know Him. Would you pray for me? I want to know that I'm saved. Uh, maybe, here's the second thing. Maybe you've not been as close to Him as you once were and you've let... You've allowed coldness to enter in, lukewarmness. You do not want to be lukewarm in this hour. That is a very dangerous place to be. Lukewarm, what does that mean? It means lukewarm. It means you're less than being hot. And if that's you, God wants to set a fresh fire in your heart today. He wants to set you ablaze for Him, for the passion, with a passion for the Son of God. And whatever it is, maybe 
You just need a touch from Jesus. I want you to stand if, if, that, if that's you. You need fresh fire or you need a, you need a Savior. Just stand. We're going to pray. Say, I need that today. Okay, anybody else? I need fire. So everybody in here is 100% hot. That's pretty good. Thank God. America's about to be overrun. We are about to be overrun. So Lord, we just come. And I know there are people watching. So we need to pray this prayer because we have to be faithful. He will not send the lost to us if we do not give the lost the opportunity to be found. And so let's just pray out loud together for maybe one in here, one that's watching. Just say, Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. Wash me of all of my sin. I turn my life over to you. From this moment forward, I will follow you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of God to obey the Father's will. Thank you that it is written inside of me that I delight to do your will. And I surrender to you now. And I thank you if I believe in my heart. And I confess Jesus with my mouth that God has raised him from the dead. I will be saved. And so I receive by faith this salvation. And I receive by faith the fire of God in my life to be set ablaze for you. I repent of any lukewarmness and I pray for fresh fire in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that you are able to do this, that I'm going to walk out of this room with a new fire and a new passion for the Son of God to follow Him and to do His will. And I thank you for the harvest that will work, be worked out through me in Jesus' name. And I just want to, just Lord, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And Lord, I pray, everyone that comes and gets one of these sheets, that Lord, you would speak to them. And as they set that goal, I pray, God, that not only would you help them meet the goal, but they'd go way beyond it. And then in this next week that we will set a goal as a church based on the goals of the people. But I thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. There's nothing left to do. Every, you've done it all. You've done it all. Lord, I, I rebuke that which says we're not ready. I thank you we are more than ready because you are more than enough. And I repent and I ask God for forgiveness for anyone that would have spoken that. And we agree with Paul. I am ready to preach the gospel. I am ready. I'm not ashamed because of him. So if that speaks to you and you want a soul goal and you will accept the challenge, whether you're a part of this church or not, just come up and get one of those and take one. But when you're coming, you're receiving it from the altar.
And then God's going to, I'm telling you, he's going to burn it in our hearts. And we're going to see a lot of people come to Jesus. And if you're in the ministry school, you want to be a part of this, come get one of these soul gold pages, take it home, pray over it, and let God speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so just hold it. Just say, just repeat, just pray. Say, dear God, I ask you to speak to me. Give me a soul goal. Use me. Here am I. Send me. I thank you that according to your word, you've already sent me. Because Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And I thank you, Lord, that you will do abundantly, exceedingly. Above all, I ask or think. And I thank you for this moment and time. Seal this within my heart. Thank you there's no fear. Because peace has come. A new perspective has come. And power to do the will of God. Thank you that I have purpose. And the purpose is your purpose. And we bless you for it. And we thank you God. Hallelujah. Now, when do you start? <laughs> Today is the day of salvation.